Calm that voice in your head that is sort of saying some stranger is going to pull out their video phone and they're going to start taping our family in our worst and least proud parenting moment. And just to sort of say, what does my child really need from me right now? This is Moms in the Middle, the podcast for busy parents who need a little help keeping their hustle in check. I'm Mel, mom of a three-year-old named Josh. And I'm Ivanka. My son is two. His name is George. Even the most calm, peaceful, rational parent can lose their cool every once in a while. But why does it always happen when you're like out in a public place like the mall or like a fair somewhere where everybody is watching. It's like they know, right? Well, we wanted to do this episode about losing your cool because it happens, right? It is a big part of parenting. And personally, I really do. I catch myself, you know, just yelling at the little guy. One, I don't know if he's understanding it. Two, maybe he thinks it's funny. But three, I need some help. We all need some help on how to keep your cool. And then you see other people that just seem to have it all together. And you're like, how? How are you doing this? So we are looking for help today. Yeah, no one feels good about a blow up when it happens. Not you, not the kids, and definitely not the strangers who are judging you with those judgy eyes. We've all had those. So how do you avoid losing your cool but also make it better? To help us keep our cool around our children, most importantly, best-selling parenting book author Anne Douglas. Anne is a parenting columnist, parenting speaker, and a mother of four. Her latest book, Happy Parents, Happy Kids, is based on dozens of interviews with parents. So... It's safe to say that Anne knows her stuff. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, and I'm happy to. I'm going to start with Happy Parents, Happy Kids. How do you have happy parents, happy kids? Is that possible <laughs> to exist all the time? Not all the time, no. And I really think they need to put a sticker on the book saying, you know, your results may vary on a bad parenting day. <laughs> but I think that we can aim to be a little happier a little more often and we can help our kids to do the same because when they're happier, we're happier and we're happier they're happier. It's kind of like a two-way street, right? Okay, so let's start from the very beginning. Things happen. You make each other angry, whether it's a tantrum <laughs> if you've got a toddler or a teenager that's uh, got a little bit of tood. What is key to stopping the anger from escalating? Right. I think a big thing is to recognize that things have gone off the rails. So, you know, you can sort of feel like, you know, your energy's building and things are going in the wrong direction. It's like hit the pause button. Say to yourself, what do I really want to have happen here and what really matters? So probably in order to do good thinking, you're going to have to calm yourself. So maybe just have a little mantra you play in your head, like just be kind or slow your breathing. I like doing this thing called triangular breathing where you sort of go in for a couple of counts and then out for a couple of counts and pause for a couple of counts. If you do that a couple of times and then realize, okay, I'm a little calmer now focus on calming my child and then bring down their energy level a little bit. And then you're ready to do the relationship repair to sort of like make amends to your child while also being kind to yourself. Because I think if we sort of start from a place where parents have to be perfect, then you're scared to sort of say, hey, I just blew it because now I've wrecked parenthood. I've noticed that. So George is... I don't, we call them terrible twos. I feel like it's terrible threes now as well. It just <laughs> yep. it continues. Who knows what the fours will bring? But I did find myself, he was acting out, just being irrational, just being a, a two-year-old. And I was going to yell and I did lower my voice and I just like calmly spoke to him. And it was amazing to see the reaction from him. He actually 
stopped whining for a little bit yeah. and he, he did react to me. So is it true like he's feeding off my body energy or my body language as much as, you know, I'm off of his? Yes, it's happening in both directions. And one of the, you know, the most timeless, wise things of parenting is just to know that if you lower your voice and your child's yelling, they're going to be too curious to hear what the heck it is that you're saying. So they have to stop yelling long enough to hear. So just, you know, very calmly saying, you know, well, blah, blah, blah. You could say something more profound than blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But, you know, you say your bit and then they're listening for a minute. Even if they just interrupt themselves from the screaming long enough to breathe, well, that's progress, isn't it? Yeah. Um, You know, we're in the similar um, age range, right? So three-year-old. And I've... I've noticed something about myself and I'm going to be introspective here. So I, I'm a bit of a yeller. So I yell. I go off the, I I go off the rails. I have never seen you yell. Really? Josh knows how to, how to push my buttons. Side of you, man, I do. <laughs> I yell. And there was a point when I, I was yelling at him just the other day and I'm like, I'm going to lose my voice because I'm getting angry at this child and I'm losing it. And um, I've noticed my, both my husband and my mom are that soothing, but calm. And he is responsible bonding to it. He's like, well, because if I yell, then he tops me. Then I top him, then he tops me. And then we're just in a yelling match. And this doesn't just apply to toddlers. I've seen this with the teens and I've seen this. So um, when you are taking that step back, taking those breathing exercises, like Ivanka was talking about, like you were saying, like the triangular breathing, is that what you're saying? (sighs) Right? That? (laughs) Yeah. How do you reset from that breathing point and then go again? Right. I think a big thing is just to sort of give yourself that moment to calm and give them a moment to calm because while they're still flipping out, anything you say sounds like the adults in Charlie Brown. Like it's just like, yeah, exactly. We don't, you know, they're not taking any of it in. But when you feel like you've both brought down your energy level a little bit, then you sort of say, you know, like what you observe, like, you know, I I can see that what I said hurt your feelings. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, because I can see that you you look really sad. And I don't want you to feel sad about that or or whatever, you know, Um, make amends. And but it has to come from a place of empathy and honesty, like you have to actually acknowledge that the pain that you caused your child, which is so awful as a parent, right? Because the last thing we want to do is to cause our child pain. And now we're saying, and I'm going to sit with that horribly uncomfortable emotion for a moment or two. But that's what allows us to then sort of repair the relationship and to decide that we want to do better next time. And the good thing is we get so many chances in parenting, right? It's like every day is a new adventure. Every day you get 5,000 tests to your parenting abilities. So who cares if today was kind of off the rails? Tomorrow's a fresh day and even five minutes from now is a fresh moment. Okay, what if you've gone past that breathing point? You just skipped right <laughs> by. You are, you know, you're, and of course you're in a public space. This always seems to of happen. Course. A ton of people around. Maybe you've got a few kids. You don't, you don't just have one to focus on and your partner isn't with you. You don't have any support and it's just chaos. Yes. Then what's the next step of like <laughs> trying yeah. to, you know, go from there because you've got people staring, people judging. Exactly. Sometimes, sometimes it's even harder with the others. You're worried about what they're going to think yeah. rather than your own kids. Exactly. I think to sort of calm that voice in your head that is sort of saying some stranger is going to pull out their video phone and they're going to start taping our family in our worst and least proud parenting moment. And just to sort of say, what does my child really need from me right now? Because if you can focus on finding the solution to that problem, then, you know, you're not going to be so focused 
focused on I'm feeling embarrassed, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling angry. It's like, okay, let's cut to the chase here. And, you know, let's do triage on our to-do list for the day. Do we really have to buy running shoes today? Like if the shoes are not duct taped together, you can probably buy yourself another day if this is like the worst trip ever to the mall. And just, you know, what do they really need? Maybe they're hungry. Maybe we push things a little too long. Maybe, you know, one sibling is pushing the other sibling's buttons. Maybe it's like mom will stand in the middle, literally, like your podcast. And, you know, and (laughs) just, yeah, yeah, and just, you know, be the the physical barrier between siblings who aren't having a a loving, connected moment, shall we say. I want to ask about the, the two magic words that no one really likes to say. I'm sorry. Yes. No one likes to do that because you almost feel weak, right? Like yes. you're backing down on your position, but it really shouldn't be viewed that way, right? Like the I'm sorry needs to come from a place where you really are sorry, but where you can meet in the middle. Is that kind yeah, of a good way absolutely. to see it? Absolutely. And I think that um, sometimes we think that we lose credibility as parents when we say I'm sorry, but really we don't. If anything, we're doing two really powerful things. We're modeling relationship repair skills for our kids, which we want them to know. How do you fix things when a friendship or relationship with a family member goes off the rails. And you're also giving your child the message that you don't have to be perfect to be considered lovable by people who care about you, that we all make mistakes and we can all get things back on track. And there's actually research to show that a parental apology is interpreted by a child as evidence of parental love. So, you know, you're going to feel less reluctant to make that apology if you know it's just another way of saying I love you, which we tend to do a lot anyways. Even in a relationship, and I'll give mine as an example, my husband and I, we have very different um, attitudes, approaches to things. He's very rational, calm. I can admit that, patient, and I'm not as much, okay? Um, So our approaches to disciplining are different. So how do you get on the same page with your partner or the person you're parenting with? Because if, let's say, they're a yeller and they start screaming and then you see the reaction on your child or the other way around, how do the parents you know, get on the same page, the partners. Yeah, you have to do a lot of those conversations behind the scenes because particularly as children get older, if they sense any kind of division, oh, they will seize that opportunity Mm -hmm. because they're smart, right? They're strategic human beings. So this is where you have the conversation behind the scenes and you say, you know, um, I thought you were a little hard on him or I thought you were a little too easy on him there. Like how can we find sort of like a, a parenting playbook that we can both agree to and then have some kind of a signal for when the uh, the one parent who's more emotional or, or, you know, really grumpy today, when they start to lose it, sort of like the sign, like, you know what, I'm stepping in. I'm not undercutting your credibility, but I can see that you you ran out of patience five minutes ago. It's good for someone else to take over here. So then you just say, you know what, I think we should all get a drink or something or we mm-hmm. should all do such and such. And then you're ushering the kids away to let that other person regain their cool. My husband used to sort of have these moments when he was really, really angry, and he would literally send himself on a timeout. He would take himself for a drive. Not sure it was necessarily a safe driving strategy, but it was really good for the family because he could sort of get away from the scene, come back calmer and refreshed. And in the meantime, I could talk to the kids about what I really wanted them to hear. So I love that because uh, that is exactly what's been happening lately. I almost It's almost like in baseball, you need like a little bit of a signal. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. pull my ear. That <laughs> means I am done right now. You need to step in because th- my husband has come into these scenarios and bedtime just for some reason just is a, is a really finicky one. And he... Josh always needs me there. He doesn't really want to say goodnight and he gets whiny when I leave. When my husband does it, no problem. See you later. And so 
I kind of just like, I'm going to need some reinforcement up right. here because I know I'm going to lose it. But I think that's also important for you to recognize that you're going to escalate, right? Like you you know your tipping point. Yes. And you need to find that support and your partner needs to know mm-hmm. where your tipping point is too. Because like Ivanka said, you're different people, right? You're yeah. going to parent differently, but learning your partner's signals. Yes. Sure. And yeah. it's still being a team though. Yeah. Like, like you said, recognizing you're different and that's okay because you both have strengths and weaknesses. So play off of that. Um, the other thing I want to get into is Mel and I, whenever we come together for this podcast, we always say, oh my gosh, I'm so tired or work is so stressful <laughs> or I didn't have time to work out or, you haven't know, or, or, or haven't eaten yet. <laughs> is there more pressure on parents today than there was, let's say, on our parents when they were raising us? Oh, there totally is. And this is a 17-hour podcast episode, right? (laughs) So I can go into this at length. I am really passionate about this because I think that the pressure that is being put on the shoulder of parents these days isn't just massive. It's actually unsustainable. Like we are being asked to shoulder a load without the corresponding sort of, you know, workplace and social supports needed to adjust to the fact that everything about parenting has changed in the past three decades or so. It's no longer the norm to have like one person working full time and another person working half time or if at all. It's now two people working full time and often in jobs where, you know, schedules are ever changing. Like there's 10 million things that are going on. And until we have some of those supports, I think one thing we have to do is we have to sort of build some supports for ourselves by reaching out to other people who are finding the juggle a little overwhelming, which is pretty much every parent Mm -hmm. on the planet. I want to ask you about the other side, because we keep talking about the negative, but let's say you're having just like you have a very positive relationship with your child, with your partner, and even in that dynamic as partner family. Is it good to acknowledge it like, hey, we're having a great day. Like this yes. is this is this is a good discussion that we're having right now and and be reinforcing that way? Yes, because we have brains that tend to skew negative by default so that if you're just having an okay day, you start sitting there thinking Surely I could find something to be unhappy about mm-hmm. if I worked at this a little harder. But you want to go in the opposite direction and say, you know what? Let's just take stock for a moment and think about all the things that are going really well right now. And this is easier to do if you've had some, you know, ups and downs. You do learn to take stock of the the peak of the mountain kind of moments as opposed to the pit of the valley moments. Um, But just little things like maybe your child said something unspeakably adorable and you have to make a mental note about that or share it with another family member. But even just nothing is going wrong, like getting to that state of calm where things don't have to be in overdrive. You're just sitting here. You have nothing urgent on your to-do list. I don't know about you, but I think that's worth celebrating when those moments crop up. They're very few and far between, but they're awesome. <laughs> Adam has a awesome. thing he said, put your hand up if you're happy. And so, George, you know, we throw it out. They it. Just throw it out during the day because it's we're cute. like, okay, I'm happy. Um, now, because of our kids' age, we focused on younger. What about when they get to the preteens, the teens, as you've, you've gone through yes. this before? And maybe they're not crying at you, but they're giving you the silent treatment. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure Mel and I did that a few times to our parents. <laughs> or they're talking back to you. Yes. How do you approach those situations when the kids get a little bit older? Right. I think, first of all, you do your homework about what teenagers are supposed to be like, right? Because otherwise, what might not be a problem, which is just, you know, a teenager asserting their independence and trying on different attitudes to see which <laughs> one fits them, Um 
that could just be a developmental stage. Of course, you're not going to tolerate all kinds of rude, disrespectful kind of behavior, but you're going to say, okay, fine, you know, today we're trying this kind of thing. So getting that perspective and in the moment, recognizing that you're going to have to spend a lot of time calming yourself because uh, kids who are preteens in particular are and teenagers are really good at pushing your buttons because they know you so well and they know what is the one thing they could say to just sort of push the button and turn it. Um, for me, it was always the lack of appreciation button. Like if I'm jumping through hoops to do all these things to help you and then you turn around and you say something completely ungrateful – I'm going to feel really grumpy. And then I had to remind myself, like, you know, it takes a little time for, for them to be able to see the big picture. And so, yeah, you'll probably get all kinds of lovely notes when your kids are in their mid-20s saying, you know, I so appreciate this thing you did for me or I'm so sorry I was so awful during the teen years. <laughs> Hold out and know that future date is coming. And in the meantime, you're just going to sort of like emotionally tread water and reach out for support to yeah. other parents. There's a solid body of research to show that mothers in particular feel really disoriented when their kids head into this stage because they feel like they're obsolete and that they're not needed and that the kids are pushing them away. And it's not that at all. It's just a different stage of parenting. And this is where your your mom friends in particular can be like encouraging, supporting, crying with you behind the scenes so that you can go back in and be the parent you want to be the next day. Yeah, and this too shall pass. They always say yes. with every phase, right? Because I don't know how... I would have done it without girlfriends. And we've done a number of episodes mm-hmm. on, on this podcast talking about those relationships and having that support system. Um, and, and I, you know, I want to take this opportunity to say, I'm so sorry, mom. I'm oh, so sorry, mom, for all the trouble I caused you and all those fights and all of this, because it, it gives you a different perspective too when you become a mother. Yes. On what they went through. And she had four and, and mm-hmm. it involved you had three. And mm-hmm. so, and you're a mom of four. And so yeah. very different relationships. And so acknowledging it too. Um, and it, you kind of have to roll with the punches too, right? Like with the different phases of the kids, their different attitudes. You change, they change, and you have to change your style of communication at the same time too, right? Right. And sometimes you have like four kids like I do. So you're, you know, using this playbook on this kid and, you know, adjusting it all. And then you have like one firstborn. I was a firstborn, but so is my daughter who's saying, you know, um, I actually think I would do a better job of parenting than you guys are. So here's my advice on parenting my younger siblings or, you know, you're not being fair. Historically, when I look back five years ago, when I was his age, the rule was X and now it's Y. What is it with inconsistency in this family? So, so many things to challenge yourself on. But I think that we do tend to muddle through, especially with learning about child development a bit and comparing notes with other parents. Because, you know, when when somebody else says, oh, yeah, we went through that, too, and you can see this person's happy and they're having a good life. <laughs> they made it. Yeah, they made it. It's just so reassuring to know when you're having a really dark day of parenting. Mm-hmm. Okay, and going to give you the final word here. We've gone through so many tips. All of this is amazing. If you have one, one solid piece of advice on how to keep your cool, the Ann Douglas answer is self-compassion. Reminding yourself you don't have to be perfect and having that little voice in your head instead of always telling you everything that you're doing wrong, actually giving you credit for all the things you're handling right. If you frame it like what would that voice say if it was speaking to my best friend, it's easier to be kinder to yourself. And eventually the self-compassion person will move into your head and boot the self-criticism person out of town. Get them out of here. Yeah, I think we can all take that advice to heart. And Douglas, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.
That does it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And of course, we would appreciate it if you subscribed, rate, and reviewed the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And we can always uh, chat with you on our social media channel. So you can reach me on Twitter at City Melanie or The Melanie Ng on Instagram. And Ivanka is at Ivanka Osmak on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also find us on Instagram at Mums in the Middle Podcast, also at Frequency Pods. This show is produced by the lovely and talented Stephanie Phillips and brought to you by Frequency Podcast Network. That does it for this episode. But if we can leave you with something, it's... <sighs> Don't forget to breathe. Just breathe.